Well, this is uh, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church. This is, this is what he said. He said, four of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship to God, while the other six deal with our relationships with people. But all ten are about relationships. Likewise, Christianity is not a religion or a philosophy, but a relationship and a lifestyle. The core of that lifestyle is thinking of others as Jesus did instead of ourselves. And so you know the history from the Bible. Several thousand years ago, God picked out the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. He said, these are going to be my chosen. I'm going to reveal to the rest of the world what it's like to have a relationship with me. And then I'm going to reveal to the rest of the world what it is for me to have a relationship with a group of people. And he gave them commandments, and he started with ten. And the first four, he said, this is how you're going to relate to me. And, and the other six, he said, this is how you're going to learn how to relate to one another. And he called them commandments. And so, you know, those commandments got expanded and got insight into them. There was over 600 and some Jewish rules and laws that had to do with these two things, how to worship God, serve God, but how we flow and get along with each other and how we build a society that functions and supports and encourages one another. So that's our foundation. And saying all that, how many believe that Jesus cares how you and me treat people? Anybody believe that? So he's the one that ordained relationships. And then when he walked the earth, the four gospels recorded what he said and did. And in the gospels, he was pretty clear. He was pretty clear in many, many places about how we treat one another because it's high value to him. And so in this series on relationships today, I was going to go another direction. Uh, last week, we talked about friendships, and today I was going to kind of elaborate on what happens when friendships get toxic, and, and is there times where you just cut and move on, and, and how do we do that? Because it's awkward for us sometimes. We're called to go the extra mile and turn the other cheek, and, and so, but is there times when friendships are strained or become toxic, that we can step away. And I was going to share on that today, had some materials together, but then I went to this global leadership conference this week. And at the global leadership conference, they had picked people from, I don't know, just different business and corporate work, walks of life. Somebody spoke that worked for Google and somebody that had done work with Facebook. And, and then people from the church community doing an international apostolic work, they they spoke, but Bill Hybels, who's the coordinator of the Global Leadership Summit, the first day, the first session, he got up and he challenged all of us, which were tens of thousands of people connected, video link and, and uh, streaming link and all that. He, he challenged us from the very get-go about something that he called incivility. And it's about broken relationships in the culture and the increase of just unsociable behavior that just seems to be exponentially affecting every part of life, but probably never nobody in here, right? And any act of rudeness, any act of impoliteness or offensive comments, do you think that that's increased just a little bit in the divisive culture we're living in? Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? And so incivility in means this. It's the rude or unsociable speech or behavior, an impolite or offensive comment, rudeness, discourtesy, impoliteness, bad manners, to disrespect and dishonor, and that's in contrast to being civilized, to belonging to and following the accepted social norms of a community where people of differing views are tolerated and, and respected. And so in the divisiveness we're living in now, you know, th this healthy dialogue, the ability to discuss differences of opinions and ideas and hopefully come to some kind of collective uh, plan forward, that thing's been blown up. 
And more and more, there's this intensity that's, that's turned from just, you know, dialogue now to offensive remarks, just bashing, and, and, and it goes on and on from there. I remember when I was growing up, so my mom, my dad was a Republican, my mom was a Democrat, so we had some social discussions in our home, but, but there was respect. There was respect, and even the president, if your president get elected, didn't get elected, there, there was still some respect, but nowadays, lots of that's gone out the window a bit, Right? And so incivility in America has risen to crisis levels. And that's what he was sharing. And he was appealing to leaders from all over the world, different backgrounds. Hey, guys, we can take ownership of this as the people of God, as the kingdom of God. We can change a culture if we understand it and are determined to make a difference. So just this statement put out to thousands and thousands of people for response, incivility in America has risen to a crisis level. They asked them, do you agree with this statement? And now 75% of the people had agreed with it. Said, yeah, we, we see it. We sense it in our news media. We sense it in social media. We sense it just through the late night com- comedians, through radio talk shows, just an intensity of not being able just to get along, to, to move forward with ideas and thoughts because we're fighting. And this is the incivility continuum. And it starts with negative behavior that might just be a rude comment or unintentional slide or gossip or rumors or cultural bias. And when I say just might, I'm not trying to minimize that because those things can cause enough disruption on their own. But then it turns to verbal aggression where there's yelling and loud voice and belittling comments and intimidation and threats and discriminatory comments, cursing at someone and even trying to humiliate your opponent now to physical aggression, where it becomes assault and battery and throwing objects and violent outbursts. And, and I, I just put some slides together, and, and you know, this is, uh, we don't only have the problem here, this is in the parliament in the Ukraine. They went to fist fights and headlocks there not too long ago, and uh, when they were just going through discussion, and, and here we go, but this is in a city council meeting, Alexander City, Alabama, recently. Guys going to fight, and so an older guy in the middle looks like John McCain going for a foot kick on somebody. And, and, and it's a little humorous, but not really. This, this is like our own supervisor's chambers. There's been exchanges that have become pretty hostile and, and, and pretty disrespectful even locally. You know, road rage is at a high people duking it out and, and worse and our own highways and freeways. Maybe you've been on one side of that. hope I'm not the other side. And then, of course, you have your Raiders fans. And, and, and just showing extreme disrespect for 49er fans. Now, San Diego, San Diego Charger fans would never do this, would never do this. But, but you, you see, even in sports, and we, we, we kind of laugh, but even, you know, you're seeing things, parents at their kids' soccer games, the kids are five and six years old, and parents are fighting with the refs, and it, it's, it's definitely out of control. And then there's Friday, Black Friday shopping, uh, fighting over TVs, and it, it, it's just in the culture. It's spread everywhere. Cyberbullying, you, if you've been paying attention to the media, one young man died recently, took his own life as a result of just extreme bullying through text messaging and social media that just in, intended to hurt or embarrass or torment people, and it, it's been on the rise, and it's impacting the culture, and it's impacting the people. And then there's nothing like a good old church fight right here. And so, praise God, we've never seen it go to blows, at least physically around here, but ver- verbally we have, and, uh, 
and that, that would be the biggest crisis. Uh, and unfortunately, we haven't seen fist fights, but there's verbal things that have offended, hurt people, uh, divided people that maybe even still here today. I'm not pointing fingers or looking at any faces, but occasionally stuff happens and feelings get hurt and then people want to pull back and they're less willing to cooperate. And the sad story with the statistics around this is people are more and more uh, less prone to volunteer for public service now. They, they don't want to be on committees. They don't want to step up into places of, uh, you know, serving on city council, PTAs, those things, because of the hostile environment. It's like the mindset, it's not worth it to be yelled at, accused, to just to step out and to make a difference. And I believe it's a ploy of the enemy, personally, just to take good people away from stepping up to make a difference. That's why we're going to counteract it. Amen? That's why we're going to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Amen? Amen. Agape church, God's love church. Amen. And so this is, again, that incivility continuum that just moves from one side to the other as, as things could increase, but we need to put a check in it. Uh, th this gal, she works for um, Leslie Gaines Ross, works for a research company, and she said every year we're disheartened to see that the levels of civility continue to erode. Uh, in her company, as she's reporting to NBC News, she says, in fact, agreement with the statement incivility in America has risen to crisis levels grew to 75% December 2016, highest it's been since they've been tracking it. And this is the thing that kind of upset me too. And 73% feel that the U.S. is losing stature as a civil nation. I've been traveling doing missions since 1986. Uh, from there, the Philippines and beyond, been in 20-some countries. And uh, w without a doubt... No, I can't say that. There's been a couple places where uh, America wasn't really respected. But in most of those countries, America was respected at least because they believe we're a Christian nation, that there's civility here, that people get along, that people uh, can work out their differences. There's, there's not oppression for your view being spoken. And they've held us in pretty high regard around the world as our ability to work things through. And that's changed over the last, uh, really, 15 to 20 years. And I'm not proud of that part. I, I think it needs to be restored. And I think the church should be a voice in making a difference. Amen? This other gal, Christine Porath, uh, she, she spoke or she had a little clip at our uh, Global Leadership Conference. Uh, she reported Harvard Business Review, rudeness at work is rampant and it's on the rise and over the past 14 years, we're polled thousands of workers about how they've treated on the job. 98% have reported experiencing uncivil behavior. In 2011, half said they were treated rudely at least once a week. And in 1998, they said that only happened once a quarter. So the tension at work, the pressures of life, uh, maybe just the chaotic times we're living in with so much change in that, it's affecting people's attitudes, even in the workplace, and I believe the Lord's got something better for us. This is uh, three, 800 managers were interviewed and employees in 17 different interest, industries. And this is what they said the impact of incivility is. 78% say their commitment to the organization has declined. So when they're treated a certain way, they just don't want to jump in and help build it. And that's just natural. And unfortunately, I've seen that in the church. Jesus Christ, when there's incivility, people just want to back off. They don't want to commit, don't want to get involved because of how they sense they're being treated in it. 63% lost work by just avoiding the offender. 
So now your time, instead of being productive, your time is spent hiding and trying to get away from the offender. 66% say their performance declined. 48% says they intentionally decreased their effort at work. They're just, again, you lose heart when you don't feel like people have your heart. 47% intentionally uh, decreased the time spent at work. 38% intentionally decreased the quality of their work. And then 12% say they just quit. They just didn't like the treatment, so they quit. 25% admitted to taking their frustration out on customers, which is, uh, uh, you've been in retail and you've sensed the hostility from behind the counter. Well, you don't know what the other 12 people that were just there did to the poor gal that's waitressing or working at the counter. We can change it. Amen? We, we, we can make a difference, church. Now, just as a little side note, so I know this and hear this and friends and others that would say, Oh, Mike, it's just that the culture's gotten so soft. God, just pull up your big boy pants. And if somebody says something to you, don't get all offended. Don't get all huffy. Come on, just rise above it. This political correctness thing. Well, no, there's a difference between political correctness and civility. And, and this political correctness, the idea that we're supposed to conform to a set of values that are different than our biblical worldview, I recognize that pressure, and I make stands and certain things against that. Political correctness is more about the attendant filter put on the content of your thoughts and actions that are denying the right to make moral or religious judgments about others' behavior in favor of what is currently popular within the culture. So we recognize as believers with Christian worldview that there are certain things the world tries to make us agree with and say is okay, and in our heart we say, man, according to my worldview in the Bible I read, I, I can never endorse that. I, I can't get behind that. And so I am all for making that stand. Civility is something else, though. That's the ability to communicate opinions and convictions with understanding and respect without being rude or insulting or angry. That I can manage how I respond to those things. That I can manage truth and love. That I know how to manage truth and I also know how to manage love and communicate with relationship that represents and is honoring because of the father I serve who honors people and it honored me when I was a dishonorable guy. Anybody with me this morning? And so here's the godly filters that we need to put on this stuff. And it's from Scripture, 1 Peter 2.17, where the word says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And honor is the idea that you've been made in the image of God, that you, you were created in the image of God. And whether you're walking in that right now, whether you chose to follow him and you're living that way, I, I don't have to respect and endorse some behaviors, but I tell you what, I, I still need to respect and honor the image of God in you and, and the potential that God put in you. And so I've seen honor just change people. I, I shared in first service, I still remember I was in one of my first trips to Cambodia, and it was midnight, and we're sitting in the streets of Phnom Penh, and I was having noodles with this guy from Malaysia and John Ezekiel. And John Ezekiel, total different worldview. Actually, he was living in a tribal village when A.L. Gill found him, but it was because of honor and respect that he felt that brought him and opened his heart to Christianity. And now he's a powerful apostolic leader for the church. But it was somebody honored him. Here's a Westerner, educated Westerner, that honored him, respected him from his background and where he was coming out from. And now he's a powerful, powerful, miraculous working man of God. And honor makes a difference. Amen? And, and then this bottom, I should have done it in red instead of white and yellow because it's red letter stuff. This is Jesus talking. He said, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. What? What? 
Do good to them that hate you. Really? And pray for them which despitefully use you. Wow. Can we mark that out of the Bible? Can we, can, we, can we just get the new translators to change that? No, this is red letter stuff. This is Jesus. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. And it's, that's tough. But that's tested relationship. That is, do I really have a relationship with the loving God? And am I honoring that relationship and loving other people? And I, I don't like that verse. It's not probably one that, that I would memorize. But let me ask you this. Do you think God does that? Do you think Jesus did that? Do you think he loved his enemies? Do you think he blessed those that cursed him? He, he's hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. He, he says he sends rain on the just and the unjust. That he allows his son to shine on the good and the evil. That our father does that. And Jesus he, he, he reflects that. And so how much more? I need to adjust my behavior and, and include that in a world that's going a certain way and, and called as a peacemaker in the world to help make a difference and still stand for truth, but still know how to do that to stand in love and grace. Amen? And so don't be surprised. Now, this is out of... The, I'm going to read this. This is 2 Timothy 3.1 out of the... Um, this is out of the Amplified Bible. So don't be surprised the culture's going this way because we're in the last days. How, how many have seen those, they were talking on the news, the little microchips they're planting in people now? Now, when I went, got saved in the 70s, we were talked a lot about the mark of the beast. And even in scripture, it says this mark will be on your hand or your forehead. You won't be able to eat or drink or provide or buy goods without it. And someday soon, I'm going to unpack that whole thing about the mark of the beast. But here we see people willingly taking that. We, we see signs of wars, rumors and wars. And it says, you know, the seas, the nation, or the, the waves will be roaring. I mean, look at the weather we've been experiencing the last few years. It, it, there's just multiple signs, things that are happening in the Middle East and things that are happening in Russia right now. The Gog and Magog nations starting to rally together. There's end times things pointing to Jesus is coming back soon, and I'll be glad for that day. But until he comes back, there's stuff to get done, amen? There's, there's work to do. And there's an attitude, a culture going a certain direction, and you and me are caused, caused to, or called to, to help restrain that and to help be voice in it. So, 2 Timothy 3.1. But understand this, in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come. Difficult days will be hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self, narcissistic, self-focused, lovers of money, impelled by greed, boastful and arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy and profane. Anybody know any people like this? And they'll be unloving, devoid of natural affection, calloused, inhumane, <laughs> the amplified, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, intemperate, immoral, brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited. Lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of outward godliness, religion, although they have denied its power, the last line gets me, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. For their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. So believers that are saying things and acting contrary, we're, we're claiming our faith, but we're, we're, we're not walking it out. And the cultures move in a certain direction, and I don't know about you, but when the culture moves a direction and God's called us another way, we need to stand boldly, amen, in love, in, 
in power, in his grace. Here's the conflict of the two kingdoms. Isaiah prophesied about this. Isaiah 60, most Bible scholars say this is an end times apostolic prophetic verse for these last days. It says, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But... The Lord will rise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. So the culture is getting angrier and meaner and more hostile and more uncivil and more accusatory and more just attacking. And the people of God, the glory of the Lord will be upon the people of God if we allow him to. Amen? And here we see the other side, the other part, Revelations 12, and I truly believe this is real right now. And Again, you have to unpack this whole chapter. We can't take time for it, but it talks about the birth of the church and the enemy trying to persecute the church. It says, For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, and woe to the earth and the sea, because the devils come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time. And I believe he knows that, and he's raging because of it. The church is getting more powerful. The church is getting more insightful in many, many parts of the world. Some places the church is sleepy. I don't want to be asleep, do you? And, and the enemy knows his time is short, and he's causing all kinds of havoc. You and me need to be discerners of that, resist that, and say, I'm not being part of that. I'm being part of the solution. I'm going to be part of a, a, a kingdom of God that's making a difference and, and resisting that. I like this. A wise physician said to the best medicine for humans is love. Someone asked, if it doesn't work, he smiled and answered, increase the dose. And so we're here to increase the dose, amen? The, the culture is loveless. Let's increase the dose in the body of Christ. Let's get more. Let's stay more connected. Let's get more intimate and, and be able to reflect and help and encourage through God's love and God's power in this season. So we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up with just in Colossians. In Colossians chapter 3, we, we talked about civility and incivility. How many believe the Bible addresses that? And Paul did to the church of Colossia right here, just right here in these first few verses, exactly what we're talking about. He says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds and you've put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of God who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcised nor uncircumcised nor barbarian or Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And so that's a call for unity by putting off the old and putting on the new. But then he says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and kindness and humility and meekness and longsuffering. Now, if you look at this, in the last passage, there was five things mentioned, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Here's the problems, and he gives us five solutions for them. He says, put on, put off the old, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Here's the antidote for the other thing. Five different diseases, spiritual diseases trying to creep in. Here's the fruit of the Spirit and the solution to it by putting on kindness or tender mercies, which is compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also what? Must do. And then put, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. The antidote's right here. 
So incivility, put off anger, wrath, malice, and blasphemy, filthy language, which the New American Standards translated abusive speech. Five different things. And the interesting thing, if you look at those words, there is a progression. It starts with anger. It's a strong feeling of annoyance or displeasure. And then it says, and it goes to wrath, which is extreme anger or rage or fury. And then it goes to malice. So it starts with anger. It goes to malice. It gets more extreme. Malice is the intent to do evil. So I had this feeling of anger, but in my incivility bar, my, my curve, it's turned from just anger. Now I feel like wrath. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to get you back. And malice, the intent to do it. And then there's blasphemy. You're turning to God. You're against God because of it. Last but not least, this, this abusive speech that is hurtful, hateful, and we hear it just proliferated now everywhere we go. But the good news is, the good news is we can throw that stuff off, right? Right? We can throw that stuff off. We can speak the truth to one another, and we can put on compassion. Now, compassion just isn't a feeling. Compassion is action. It's emotion, but it's emotion putting your, your legs to the emotion. So it's just not head knowledge here. He says put on compassion, which means you're moved to make a difference. You're moved to reach out to people. I'm glad Jesus was moved with compassion when he found me. Anybody agree with those things? And then put on kindness, just how we treat one another with some respect and an understanding. You know, until you really know somebody, sometimes we've been rude and mean and... And then you hear their story. And if you're having trouble with some of these things with different people, ask them their story, where, where they came from. And you can find out sometimes why people get a little weird, why people are a certain way. Because when you listen to their story and where they came from, sometimes an understanding can come and, and you'll get it. And then compassion can come and this humility, this idea of humility was just hammered into us this week at the Global Leadership Conference because it was one of the key traits of leadership is humility. And that's the, the ability to see myself clearly, see my role clearly, not better, not higher, just to see my role clearly, but also to see my role under the Lord Jesus, that he is Lord and I'm called to serve him and I'm called to be uh, with him and to, to help do his work and, and to flow with his plan and purpose. And I bring myself under him and not only that, that I don't think higher in myself than other people. And, it, and it's a good reminder for us that humility is a key trait. If you want to bring civility in, don't get all puffed up and haughty and you got the only way. You're the only right person in the room. Break that stuff and, and learn how to listen to people and to persevere with people and understand where they're coming from. Amen? And so put on compassion and kindness and humility and meekness. And meekness isn't weakness. Sometimes when you say put on meekness, we think of meek people being these little weaky, wimpy people. That's not what he's talking about. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is a lion stalking. Meekness is the idea of a horse when it's well-trained. And you know the horse, it's the fastest thing in the barn and the fastest thing for miles, but when it's under control, it's just getting poised and ready to go. But when it goes, the gun goes off, man, that thing is charging Meekness is power under control. Meekness, when you're around meek people, they, they know who they are. They know what they possess. They know what they can do, but they're not gloating about it. They're not flexing about it. They're just sharing it, but it's power under control. Jesus was meek, Scripture said. And how many know he had power, but it was under control? And then long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. 
There's the answer to civility right in our Bible in, in Colossians chapter 3. We have the answer to make a difference in a culture that's gone haywire. Amen? Ushers, help me. Could you pass out communion? When we were uh, wrapping up there, there's this gal that uh, she's doing some work on this, and she's from the Harvard Business Review, and uh, she encouraged people, and Bill Hybels did too, to even in your organization where you work or the team that you're working with, and Pastor Jeff and I and the other people that attend in the Global Leadership Conference, we talked about this, that you just develop a code of civility. You can develop it for your home and for your family. It's rules for how your family is going to relate to each other. It's rules for how we're going to talk to each other. And she just threw down some rules real quick that might be worth exploring. And these are accessible. If you do a little research online, you can find stuff along the same form. But one of their rules was respect everybody. They've been made in the image of God. So we listen to each other and we respect people. Differ with people without demonizing them. If you have a difference with me, don't think I'm demon-possessed because I share a different view. Be understanding. Differ without demonizing. So part of the accusation is if I can label people a certain way and I can pigeonhole people a certain way, then I won't have to listen to them. So differ with people without demonizing. No drawing blood. When you're communicating, no interruptions. To, to pay attention, to give space to other people when they're sharing. To limit volume. This is huge. Sometimes even when our differences around here, when things have escalated, people back up. They don't want to listen when people are starting to escalate, so you limit your volume. No incendiary or belittling words. That incendiary means things that catch fire. I'm all for the fire of God, but there's other things like gossip and, and words that are said that can catch fire in a bad way. Amen? Courteous to everyone. Be courteous. Never stereotype people. Apologize quickly. Form opinions carefully. Congruency in word and deed. In other words, I back up my, my words with my actions and to express thankfulness. And so these, here are just a few things, but I tell you what, if teams would get together and say, hey, this is when we're discussing problems or we're discussing issues, here's some of the rules that we're going to play by. So we're playing equal, we're playing fair, and uh, we're not going to be painful, hurtful to one another. Amen? Read the golden rule with me. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And so today, that's just the title of my message, was really Relationships, the Golden Rule. What we're talking about is doing things, presenting yourself, discussions, talking with other people, treating other people, exactly not how I just would want myself treated, but how I would want my wife treated. Treat other people how I would want Jan to be treated or my children to be treated. And, and we'll work on those kind of relationships. Ushers passing out stuff. You all right? Well, here's what we're taking communion over because the Word says in 1 Corinthians 11, when we take communion, come to the Lord's table, you know, to take some time and evaluate. It's a cool thing Jesus gave us. One of the tools He gave us is that time out to when you come to His table that you evaluate where, how we're doing on one of these things. And, man, this is the part that got me. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Read that last line. So you also must do. So you also must do. Must. Must. I got to do that. I call myself a follower of Jesus. Then I got to do that. 
If I call myself a Christian and a follower of Jesus and, you know, one that's trying to grow, even as Christ forgave you, you got to do it. And so that doesn't give me a plan B or an option. Doesn't say if you feel like it. Doesn't say, you know, when, when the time's right, after a couple months has gone by, after you made him suffer a little bit, squirm a little bit. No, he just says, even as Christ forgave you, you, you got to do the same thing. You and me got to do it. And above all, put on love, which is the bond of perfection.